Welcome to Spirits and Chat with John and Matt. I am Matt Pullman. And I am Jonathan Emerson. And this is a podcast where we watch an episode of a TV show where the characters are in a play. And then we talk about what the show gets right and what the show gets wrong about life in the theater. (laughs) Today we watched Sister Sister Season 2, Episode 13, titled Kid in Play. And this is the one where T and Tamara are in a school play and Tamara gets the lead, but then it switched out to Tia halfway, and drama ensues. I think I got the names right. I'm always I, confused. I them, think but, you did. I, yeah, I, you know, I, Tamara gets the part, and then Tia takes over. Yes. So this episode originally aired on March 15th, 1995, and it was directed by Peter Baldwin, and it was written by Larry Wilmore. So before we get into the sister-sister of it all, uh, what are you drinking right now? I am drinking uh, Captain Morgan and uh, Captain Morgan Spice Rum and a and Coke Zero or the new iteration of Coke Zero. Either way, calorie free. Oh, that's what I'm drinking too. Oh, so okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so, I always so enjoy much for, captains. So much for being random. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I paired it with Sister Sister, other than that's what was available and. There yeah, that's um, what we had at the time. Um, I think because in this episode, Tamara is a captain of a ship. But oh, she leads, I love this. Okay. She leads it astray. So Tia has to take the... the what's what's the wheel the, spinning? The, the captain's <laughs> wheel? The, the, the steering there, wheel? Is there a thing... Is the, sh, is the steering wheel on a ship called something other than a wheel? I think the mast? It's, no, no, that's. I, don't know. Uh, I think it's just called the wheel. Okay, and our dog's going crazy in the background. So. Yeah, he's decided to be the star of this episode. He'll... So, anyway, I, I feel like being '90s kids ourselves, well, '80s slash '90s kids ourselves, I feel like we can't not address the title here. Um, I love the play on words. Kid oh and, yeah, kid the, and play. the title of the episode. It's really funny. Kid in <laughs> <and> play <laughs> because there was that '90s hip hop group, Kid N. Apostrophe N, play, kid in play, but this is kid in, in play. play. Yeah, that's clever. Uh, so let's talk about the whole history with Sister Sister. So this was a show that I actually watched. I remember when this show came on, I remember really liking the first season of it. It was on ABC. I can't remember. It was either on Tuesday nights, kind of in that full house home improvement slot. Right. Or it may have been a TGIF show. I it feels li- like a TGIF show. I was it- literally asking myself this question this afternoon when you told me about this episode. Um, I I feel like I remember it being TGIF, but it being done alongside um, Full House also makes sense to me because of the whole twins thing with uh, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. So. Oh, yeah, I didn't even... I'm sorry. Our dog is literally eating our laundry bags on <laughs> the bed. He didn't so, appreciate the episode as much as we did. So I remember, I definitely watched season one, maybe up to season two of Sister Sister, and then it switched networks, because then it went to the WB. Oh, that's and right. And the WB was kind of where shows went to die, a dignified <laughs> death, if, uh, <laughs> if like a network didn't really want to run them anymore. I know Clueless, the sitcom, not the movie, but remember there is a Clueless sitcom? Right. I think that started on ABC, then jumped to the WB, and I think also like Sabrina the Teenage Witch 
might have ended up on the WB. From ABC to WB. Yeah. Yeah. So that, WB that is sense. kinda like a graveyard. Of... Except in the case of Buffy where it's So Buffy started... started on WB, yes. but then it went to to the lower of the two off networks, um, to the UPN. Oh, okay. Um well. so in the mid nineties, you know, it was ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS. And then there was kind of a big hubbub where there was gonna be two extra networks. Uh, and that was the WB and the UPN. Right. And they were talking, oh, now these other networks have competition. But the WB and the UPN really were all much ado about nothing because they neither show, like, had big hits. They had hits in their own ranks, I guess. Like, they had Buffy and they had Angel and they had Dawson's Creek, which averaged maybe, like, one to two million viewers. Right. But a show like Friends is averaging 20 million viewers. So... These networks were never really taken seriously. They didn't win Emmys. It was, again, kind of, I don't want to consider bad TV, but just not prestige TV. And that was the fate of Sister Sister. <laughs> it ended up on WB. And the whole show was uh, put on Netflix about a year ago. Right, and we just started uh, right, well, it. Right at the height of COVID lockdown. And uh, I actually started it from season one, and... I actually remember it. It's a funny show. And it, it holds, holds up, up really well. Yeah. It holds up. I, I like the show. I think what I like best and what I always liked were the parents, uh, Jackie Harry and Tim Reed. I think they are very funny. Oh, they're hilarious. And they get yeah. the best lines. And that's I, I continue to watch it. This is season two. I think in our rewatch, we are up to either season four or season five. And there's only six where, seasons. Where both parents kind of start dating, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of flirting with each other enemies to like they're in a weird kind of open relationship right now and (laughs) i I really hope that they are endgame because if they're not i will be very upset but both (laughs) jackie harry and tim reed were sitcom veterans at that point jackie harry was on a show in the 80s called 227 mary yeah she won an (laughs) emmy for that show that was a big hit and then tim reed was on a show in the late 70s, early 80s called WKRP Cincinnati. Oh, I didn't know he was which, on that. Mm-hmm, which was a sitcom that was set in a radio station. And so Sister Sister was kind of their 90s comeback show. And then T and Tamara Maori, who play the twins, I don't know how they got discovered. They're from a showbiz family. Their younger brother was an actor and he was on Full House. I don't know that there's another Maori sibling, but they're still doing stuff. Okay. They're still in sitcoms, and one of them has a cooking show. Oh, that's right. They've been doing some Netflix movies, so they're they're still around. Yeah. They're still in the business. <laughs> um, but let's get into this episode. Um, I'm just going to play the clip from the very beginning, because it sets up the exposition very nicely. Okay. trying out for the school play especially this one our teachers combined my fair lady pretty woman and miss saigon one story and made it black it's called miss thang <laughs> i don't care which part i get as long as i'm in it i feel the same way as long as i get the lead so there you go um so fact <laughs> That's check <the> story <laughs> fact check in the first 10 seconds um so their drama teacher has merged Three intellectual properties <laughs> into his own script and called it Miss Thang. I think it's pretty clear that that is not legal. You can legally cannot rewrite a script or combine things that are 
trademarked, right? Am I wrong? Um, you're you're 100% right. He couldn't, well, he couldn't outright call it, without absolute legal action, he couldn't call it a mashup of this, this, and this. That's true. I guess it was an original piece. If he were writing, yeah, inspired by, like, using the concept of all three separately and then combining them with a through line, he could get away with. But, the, I mean, in major markets like New York, L.A., that could be called into question and the it, fact it, that the yeah. fact that the girls know that it, he can blend right. those is problematic it's, it's not something that should ever be done without permission of all three and we've talked about properties. this on this show that when you put on a show whether it's in high school community theater you have to apply for the rights yep and you have to pay for the rights yeah you can't put on a show unless you do those two things however a lot of high schools and smaller community theaters still try to get away with it Right. Uh, rather than getting, um, you know, the Broadway Junior version of Wicked or the Broadway Junior version of Beauty and the Beast, uh, which are licensed properties, because no, let's let's face it, uh, the majority of, of U.S. high schools don't have the theater space or capacity to handle the effects of a major musical like that. Uh, what, what a lot of uh, high school directors, uh, especially in the Midwest, farther flung um, markets from, from where from where the uh, legalities are a little bit more enforceable, um, you know, they'll, they'll do rewrites. Uh, they'll do like, they'll, they'll basically take the story that they saw on Broadway and reconceptualize it. Uh, or they'll, or they'll stage it with the same name outright and just hope they don't get caught. Yeah. There, if you search on YouTube, there are some amateur wickeds and other Hamiltons. And I even saw there was a Harry Potter and the cursed child. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it, it happens, but it is not legal at all so then we get into the auditions and <laughs> this scene is is funny i don't know if i should be laughing at this because th- they say that this is a black play and the first person auditioning is i guess a girl of asian descent yes. <laughs> um and then we get another girl who's very upset at the politics of this play that's all i'm gonna say and then we get tamara who t and tamara both audition um they're both fine but then we also have a white girl randomly oh that's my favorite and i quote i am just a poor black girl um (laughs) and i it just it was very triggering because um those of us who've been in uh especially community theater as children in the midwest uh you know and uh a producer will make sort of a maybe an error in judgment in terms of what they put on their season uh because they couldn't cast it uh the way it should be in terms of uh in terms of uh ethnicity in terms of uh cult, you know culture you don't want to appropriate or anything um yeah so we've we've, we've definitely both uh been in a a show or two where you know a bunch of high school uh caucasian women are are playing um you know, uh, uh, Vietnamese dancers <laughs> or, or, or something similar. Yeah, but at least this play, for this episode, the director is trying to appropriately cast it. And then right. we get to Roger, and Roger makes a comment that he wants to perform the show in the nude. And I have watched this episode three times, <laughs> basically today. This is the horniest sister-sister <laughs> episode I think I've ever seen. They get away away with a lot of risque jokes, and I, I wrote down all of them. It's it's just a very, for lack of a better word, horny episode, and a lot of it is led by Roger. But there's some other things in the episode that it feels even a little too PG thirteen for TGIF in the nineties. I also feel like the writer. Um... <laughs> <laughs> definitely like had new york theater in his in his mind uh you know like 
uh, especially New York, like off off Broadway theater, and I, I can't tell you how much of that, um, you know, is is staged in the nude, uh, just to help sell tickets. So that's that's well, yeah. There's always they're always weird avant garde off off Broadway things, you know, famously old Calcutta, yeah, back in the seventies and eighties. It's and this this fits with Roger's character. Oh, totally. That he is always trying to get with someone, mostly the girls, but. <laughs> It's a through line. It's an interesting through line throughout the episode. Yeah, and he stays consistent that it is. Oh for yeah, the, no, for we'll, the sake we'll get to it. I, yeah. I wrote down all of them for some reason. <laughs> then we get to the credits, and I love this theme song. I think this is such a catchy theme song. Okay, I never fast forward it most of the time. Right, but it's catchy and it, it sets up the plot. Okay, I don't know. I just like it. Oh, this is I'll, the sister sister. The sister sister oh, theme yeah, song. Sure. Yeah, I'll probably have it playing um, underscore in a, okay. at the beginning of this episode. Then we get to the kitchen, and Ray is on the phone. He's very excited because he's going to a limo convention in Cleveland. Uh, I don't know if those are real things. Um, The girls enter, and they let their parents know which parts they got. Oh, there's so many possibilities. (laughs) Yeah, but pace yourself, Ray. We don't want you to pull anything. (laughs) We got it! We got it! Ooh, well, if it's bad, don't give it to us. If it's good, spread it around. great to marry. I'm so proud of you. Well, what'd you get, honey? Secondly? Oh, I got the part of the chambermaid. Ooh, that's the best part of all. The chambermaid is everywhere. She gets to do everything, hear everything, see everything. Mom, I only have one line. And she knows how to keep a secret. <laughs> I love how supportive so Lisa supportive. is. Yes. Episode. She's so funny, too. I, I just, Jackie Harry's great. And, and uh, I appreciate how she was trying to sell the benefits uh, of that, you know, one-line role to, to Tia uh, in the same way I, on the producer end, have had to try to sell small parts uh, that I was trying to cast actors into. For a non-paying roles. <laughs> For too. non-paying roles, yeah. yeah. yeah so I, back, I, back in the day. Yeah, I remember being in the background and hearing you on the phone trying to convince some young woman to accept the role of mustard seed and one of the many midsummers and how the fairies are really really the leads of the piece even though they don't Uh, have a lot of lines hey they they they, we really did make them front and center so uh yeah but anyway i i appreciate how supportive uh uh lisa lisa is in that moment and then we get to the next scene it's in the bedroom and they mentioned that lisa is going to be in charge of costumes for the play of course she is okay so fashions by lisa is now costuming theater i love that yeah but lisa's a supportive mom too so totally but when i was doing high school theater it it was always the moms who were doing like costumes and oh yeah and so that tracks for me i buy it (laughs) uh then we get to the next scene they are actually rehearsing and Tia's doing a thing that a lot of either amateur actors do or people who don't really know what acting is do is right. they just look in a mirror and make faces. <laughs> like she's doing happy, she's doing sad, and I don't know. I, I've, whatever, never really been paid real money to act, <laughs> but that, that's not something that you do in acting classes. It's not just about making funny faces. Right, well, uh, to, to put it another way... Um, a lot of actors, especially a lot of young actors, struggle with this, but um, performing to show that your character is feeling an emotion rather than having your character feel a genuine emotion and then letting the audience discover that for themselves. Uh, so she was working from the outside in. And don't get me wrong, there are entire schools of thought around doing it that way. Um, it's just that it, it it's a 
you know, you're, they're working in uh, outward to inward, uh, but it still has to be natural. And uh, yeah, so. But I feel like yeah. in all the acting classes I've ever taken, that's just not something people do. No. It's no, just like yeah. make a sad face, make a happy face. That's just not. I'm what. performing sad. I'm performing happy. You know, it's, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, then they get to the rehearsal. And so this is. I kind of take issue with what happens here because Tamara rehearses and she's not bad, but she keeps making like weird little noises and the director just doesn't know how to direct her. Right. He, 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 what does he say? He's like, I need you to be more basic or more simple. He wants her to keep it more simple and natural. Yeah. But the, the problem is, is that she says her line and then she like goes, or <laughs> and instead of giving her an actual note, being Saying, like, don't make that sound. Yeah. He just is, he's kind of condescending to her. Uh, I the, feel like he also wasn't at that, at that level, um, especially, uh, you know, freshman sophomore high school student level uh they may be juniors at this point actually i can't remember um but uh and if they haven't been acting much in their lives before like when you're that young it's it's not a bad thing for a director to at least guide you with a little bit of a line read or or give you you know a a better sense of what they're going for so i I would agree with that yeah he's just he just kind of has an attitude throughout this whole episode it's not i didn't feel like it was helpful to her (laughs) he wasn't helping her discover her character he was just kind of being condescending which which is a tactic that some directors do they're just not nice right and then we get to the next scene where lisa is sewing up tia's costume and we have a clip for that Ooh, honey you look beautiful you are really gonna stand out on that stage Mom, I'm just the chambermaid. Yeah, well, you won't be in that chamber for long. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I even made you your own little tray as part of your costume. (laughs) Okay, honey. Now, let me hear your line. Mom! You don't know yet? (laughs) Here's your water, sir. (sighs) I got shivers. (laughs) Now, you took on the water, right? Mm -hmm. Now, just flip your tray up. <laughs> well, you know what I say. If you get a small roll, you better put some jelly on it. <laughs> I like that line. That's amazing. I've never get heard a small it. roll. Put some jelly on it. I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna say that to somebody someday. Um, but that that's amazing. Um, and in case this is an audio medium, uh, she Lisa wrote the word applause underneath Tia's. I always mess up their names, but this is Tia underneath Tia's tray. So when she holds it up, the audience will clap like 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 it's a studio sitcom audience. Or right. Something. Yeah. But again, I just love how supportive she is. Uh, then we get to the next scene. It's in the hallway. And for some reason, Tamara is just kind of being a diva. She has her glasses on and she's being interviewed by an actress named I think it's Keiko Agina who went on to play the best friend in Gilmore Girls. Oh, is that who's uh, doing the interview? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a small part. Uh, I looked up her age. She was 25, playing a high school student. No way. Uh, in 1995. And then like five years later, she's almost 30, and she's still playing a high school student hey, in Gilmore Girls. Work it. Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Tamara's just being a diva. Uh, we get to the next scene, which is the rehearsal. And Tamara is late. So the director has Tia stand in for Tamara. And then our second horny line of the episode (laughs) 
Roger offers to stand in as the part of the naked boyfriend. <laughs> I think Roger has some sort of weird exhibitionist, like, yes. thrill or something. I'm sorry, our dog is just being terrible. This episode <laughs> may not even get published because... Oh, it will. It's fine. Pan, calm down. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so basically, uh, Tamir is late, so he has Tia read the line. And Tia is actually good because Tia is very natural in her line reading and doesn't really try to force anything. Uh, she just plays the emotion. And then the weird thing happens where the director actually says that he is going to switch out the parts. Right. Which This is kind of my biggest so, gripe with the episode. It's is a little weird, yeah. This did not feel like this would be something that would normally happen. Yeah, have, have you ever been in a show where someone got switched out? Yes. Like that? Uh, it like ha- on the spot? Now, not in, not in, as far as I know, not in high school and never... Uh, in in professional theater, yes, that that actually happens quite commonly. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll cast you in some, you know, an actor will get cast in something, and then you know the the team will decide that you know you're not right for the part after all. Or you know, I've I've heard many stories. Um, and then in in my own work, um, you know, I we on the producerial side, we've definitely replaced actors for one reason or another uh in in many shows now in high school theater that's not at all common um in my opinion like this director made his choice like he should have stuck with it and worked harder with this uh, with uh tamara to to make things uh to make her the vision of what he was trying to be um so i i don't think in, in i think in high school there would be especially these days but even back then there'd be a lot of parental pushback if mid, yeah, mid I was going show. to get that to that later, but yeah, it's just weird. He swipes them out right on the spot, and then he has this explanation to Tamara about why he did what he did. Thinking we're going to have to make a casting change. Yeah, that Reggie is just not getting it, is he? <laughs> no, I think it would be best if you and Tia switched roles. That's strange. It, it sounds like you want me and Tia to switch roles. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking you could play the part of the chambermaid. <laughs> That's funny. It sounds like you want me to play the chambermaid. <laughs> it's for the good of the play. But why? I'm sorry, Tamara. It's nothing personal. Sometimes these things just happen. Yeah, that explanation, sometimes things just happen... It, I don't know. It, it's weird. He should have given her another chance. He should have been like, you know what? You were late to this rehearsal. Lateness will not be, a, you know, tolerated. Please behave more professionally. You know, your sister is also a very good actress. So if this behavior continues again, I'm going to have to make a change. Just for a sitcom reason, they, things have to escalate fast. But I feel like in real life, the director, a, the director's also taken a huge chance on his own show to switch a lead mid rehearsal process. Mid rehearsal, and I mean, they're. I mean, I know it's escalated for the sake of TV, but they're they're on uh, they're on stage in like two beats after this. So um, it, it would also. I the only like they they justified the replacement in the story because Tia already had the lines memorized, but. That would be even among family, like if you're sharing a role, you're both in the same show and you're um, and you're hearing each other work lines and stuff. It'd be pretty rare for you to be able to memorize an entire leading role when you were just focused on a one line part uh, and, and walk in with all those lines memorized. So it, it's also pretty unfeasible. 
Yeah, so we get to the next scene. They're home. Ray is packing. There's a bit where he's bought one of those new fancy European suitcases that it's like three suitcases in one, but he can't find the other two because they're hidden. Uh, it's not that funny. And the girls enter, and then I feel like Tamara is justifiably pissed right because she was the lead and now she's the maid which sucks and, and to then, be replaced by your own sister i mean theater among family members going after the same types and same parts can be hard all by itself yeah um so tia kind of feels bad too but then she's also kind of happy too because now she's the lead. the lead right we get to the next scene uh it's in the bedroom and tamara is being consoled by her dad ray what I don't understand is Ray doesn't really seem to care that his daughter was the lead and now she's not. Like, it's funny that he doesn't make a stink about this, that mm. he doesn't even offer to call the director or call the school board and be like, hey, why did you replace my daughter? Right. And I think in any modern context, especially these days, that might happen. I think um, the way in which he handled it is much more if she were auditioning for professional roles where things like that do happen. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't think maybe the actual high school experience was taken into account in this moment. Sure. Uh, and here's a clip from their conversation. Well, Tamara, what happened? I don't know. I was just playing the part. And then the director kept on saying, do this, do that. It was like he was always directing me. <laughs> That is his job. You don't understand. Everything has always been me and Tia. This is one thing that was just me. And now it's just Tia. Honey, you still have a part. Oh, yeah. Here's your water, sir. Ooh, somebody polished my Oscar. <laughs> yeah, so Ray is just kind of like, eh? Too bad, these things happen. Now that I'm rehearing it, though, the way in which she explains it may make a parent like Ray question, you know, okay, I know he removed you, but you're you're also well, the, saying... Well, the show, this is the way it's written, is that they make it sound like T Tamara, Tamara yeah. had a bad attitude, and that's why she got replaced. Like, she's saying, oh, the director's always trying to wreck me, da, 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 where in reality, she was just late. And he and, wasn't really directing her either. Yeah, right? like I feel like in this point of the show, the show itself is trying to put some of the blame on Tamara. Right. But I don't think that she deserves that all the blame. deserved? Okay. Maybe she deserved a little warning. Yeah. But anyway. And nobody drops a, a high school student from a play for missing one rehearsal. Or for being late. Or she didn't even miss late. it. She yeah. was what, five, ten minutes late, and then that's it. Because she was doing publicity for the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... Yeah, it's like, I feel like halfway through, the writing team was like, oh, we need... We need Tamara to learn a lesson, mm. so we kind of have to make it sound like she deserved to lose the part because she wasn't being professional, when in reality, she was pretty 99% doing what she should have done. Right. She just was late. Then we get to the next scene, which I guess is opening night. I don't really know the time frame. For this, like, how long, how long it was, the they rehearsed, process. It, it seemed to all escalate very quickly. <laughs> They're backstage. Lisa is dressing all the students. Um, She kind of makes a weird comment about one of the girls in a dress, like, her chest being lopsided. and oh, like, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, th that, that was weird. Uh, we're just going to skip over that. <laughs> um, Tamara is still pissed. Uh, then Tia comes up and 
tries to apologize or tries to make amends and then they make a joke about her old costume being too big in the butt <laughs> yeah uh, then we get to the... Okay, this next scene really confused me. Well, before we get into the next yeah, go, scene, go uh, I mean, we have to address the uh, Shakespearean elephant in the room, I think, just because of my background. So um, she said... I, I think she says to Tamara at one point, this is uh, Lisa, uh, to, be or to, to be or not to be was one line. Um, n- no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was one four-page Oh, no, Tamara scene. says, you know, I only have one line. And Lisa says, well, to be or not to be was only one line it was not um that was a four page it's a four page speech probably uh played with with, of hamlet so uh one of the most lined characters in all of history i think what she meant is (laughs) to be or not to be was such a memorable line so right she's kind of trying to imply like if you're a good enough actor you can take one line and you can make it something very memorable and in fairness to be or not to be while playing hamlet is is a is a, a part of the play that a lot of Hamlet struggle with because it is so iconic. Yes, it is part of a soliloquy. Uh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we get to our next scene, and this confused me because we have Ray driving a car, and every time I watch this episode, I assume that <laughs> he's in the car with two sex workers. That's what it reads as. their kind of behavior because of the hair and the makeup. They look like ladies of the evening so i i thought the joke was that ray randomly picked up two straight walkers <laughs> and then ray is 100 percent, you know an innocent upstanding moral guy but then we find out that no these are not <laughs> prostitutes these are the floor product models. demonstrators yeah and he 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 says the word breast at one point like do your best do your breast i don't know um who they are making lots of motions with their hand so the joke is that they are just the so, white yeah uh, that yeah. they're so committed to being demonstrators that that's all they know how they to can't do. turn it off yeah yeah yeah, there, there's a lot of miming work here. There's a lot of improv. It's, and sol- it's of- solid. Yeah, you could tell that there's some improv between uh, Ray and the ladies. I thought it was funny. It was funny, but it, again, it takes me a while to realize that this, how innocent this situation is, where it, it always seems like... And I don't want to step on your clip, but basically, yeah. I don't have a clip for this. this so th- the car breaks down. They're hitchhiking because Ray's trying to make it to the play. And then the two ladies get picked up, and they're still de- they leave Ray behind. The two ladies get picked up, and they're still demonstrating. Okay, well let's get waiting. yeah. So what happens is they show him <laughs> on the curb, and Ray's holding out his thumb, and the other two ladies are doing stuff with their hands. Whoever is going to drive by is going to think this is a three for one. Like. <laughs> but again, even. Yeah, seeing that some standing by a roadside. Right. It, You're gonna leave the one guy. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and uh, then he gets a picked. convertible picks up the two ladies, and they're just waving goodbye. But I, I kind of hope those two ladies made it home okay. I, oh yeah, that is worrisome. <laughs> and they were sitting on the back of the car. They're sitting on the back. And right they were off. still modeling. But I have, I worried that car is either gonna speed off and they're just gonna they fly off. out the back, <laughs> or that whoever picked them up. I, I hope. They I hope they just got a ride. Didn't home. have the best of intentions. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I. I, I think I overthought the scene. Maybe. I think maybe I 1995 like... maybe was a simpler, gentler time. And I'm uh, reading into well, a lot of well, this. Well, no, we, we, the episode we watched before this was Tia and Tamara get catfished. So I, oh, yeah, that, that's a yeah, season five episode. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're, I mean, they, they address some stuff in this in this series. 
Anyway, then... <laughs> So then we get backstage to the play. Okay. Roger, I don't think we mentioned Roger's the ASM. Yes. And which I'm glad this play is acknowledging that that role exists. I think this is the first time we've watched an episode where... In the entire podcast, and in, in the In our entire podcast where we saw a character actually take on the job right. of ASM. We've seen stage manager now with Marge. We've seen a lot of directors mm-hmm. without stage managers yeah. in episodes. Which We've is... seen a lot of plays without directors. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so... so this play has a director and an assistant stage manager. We don't know who's the SM, but we'll just assume it's, that there is We're going to go ahead and assume a full artistic staff is involved and a costumer. So yeah, it's a pretty full artistic staff compared to what we've seen. Uh, the one fact check I had was that they go to places, but Roger shouts the word curtain. He goes, curtain! And oh. then he pulls it up, which is not how you do it. Well, what should have happened is he would have had a headset on. Or a walkie. yeah, Or something. Or he would have been cued. If he's pulling the curtain, it's high school. Maybe the ASM does that. He would have gotten an audio cue to pull the curtain you, you don't scream the word curtain well you wouldn't curtain. and you wouldn't have you definitely wouldn't have your per your fly operator um uh you wouldn't have your fly operator giving cues to actors saying places like your your fly operator would be in the in the fly rail uh i was gonna well as a high school they may not have a fly it's roll. okay they may yeah. they probably just have a if curtain. they're just doing we cur- didn't have a fly roll no if they're just school. doing if they're just doing curtain up curtain down that makes sense the asm could do it the fact that he screamed the word curtain, that's because the yeah. audience would be able to hear it. Right. Now, I will say, though, have you, have, first of all, have you ever uh, done fly rail? I know you don't like heights, so I didn't think it'd be your thing. No, I, I've done curtain. <laughs> I pulled the curtain at the end of the playoffs. I don't, you mean actually climbing the ladder and going up, up under the no, rail and actually no. working flies? Nope. nope, I never did that. Pulling scenery in and whatnot? Nope. Okay, nope. so I definitely have, and they show that Roger got his waiting wrong, or that the S- the SMD, uh, or the, um, the the scenic designer, the, uh, the um, theater supervisor... Oh, they have supervisor. to have a fly rail, because he goes up into the he's in the He's in the rail, um, yeah, so the way, the... Uh, oftentimes, it, this is a, a problem for either younger men or, um, <laughs> or or people that don't have a lot of uh, meat to them. You know, if you're if you're talking about like a 40, 50 year old scenic designer uh, waiting the rails and you know using them to to put the sets in. Um, you know, sometimes folks don't think to check those weights before they themselves, with much lighter frames, uh, try to use them, and they get, you know, sort of yanked into the air. So, like, it's, I've never been yanked all the way up into the air, but, like, I've definitely worked a fly or two where I was, like, starting to get carried away <laughs> by them. So I That sounds dangerous. <laughs> it, it probably is. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it, it brought back memories. <laughs> and then we get to our next scene where Ray, God bless him, he wants to go home to see... His daughter have one in a play. So I guess he hitchhiked too. And he is in the truck with a very butch looking lady and chickens. I call her chicken lady. Sure. That, I don't and think I we get I feel like in. I've seen that actress before too. Yeah. In, in horror movies and stuff. Like yeah. I've definitely seen her. She's, she's memorable. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like Googling her right now. <laughs> but I, I assume that she's been in other stuff. Um, and again, our like third, fourth sex joke of... The episode, um, she comes on to him. She calls him Foxy. Um, she says one of the things she loves about chickens is that they don't have lips. Yeah. And then she offers to take him to a motel. So again, was, yeah. yep, everyone's very horny in this episode. <laughs> All of the bee cast. <laughs> Can't keep it in their pants. Uh, then we get back to the play. Oh, this was a funny scene. We, we see the play going on. 
And then the male lead goes to open the door and he gets stuck and he, he kind of panics. Yeah. I have seen this happen in a Broadway play. Oh, yeah. And you have too. And I, I have. don't remember. I remember years and years and years ago, we saw the last revival of Greece. Oh, yeah. Right? The one that was cast from the reality show. Yeah. The one that I won. So in her Broadway debut, it was early in the run. It was Laura Osnes playing Sandy. She's in the sleepover scene with the girls. Right. And she goes to exit because her character is going to the bathroom and the door is stuck. <laughs> and so on stage, she starts panicking and just keeps wiggling a door that is not going to open. <laughs> and without missing a beat, the actress who played Frenchie said... <laughs> Oh, don't worry, Sandy. We've been having trouble with that doors forever. Let's go the other way. And then they walk around the scenery, basically walk through the window and just walk on stage. Oh, I love it. But that actress, uh, I, I know her name because I follow part of that actress was Kristen Wyatt and who has been in a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. So did not phase her a bit. But that was Laura Osnes' first show. So maybe she didn't know how to handle like a mishap. I assume that had to be the first time that that yeah. mishap had happened on stage. And instead of just doing what Frenchie did and just walking off, like, cause you, the show has to keep going. Yeah. Uh, Some actors are just really gifted with covering mistakes and, but experience is the best teacher. I guarantee um, that the the actress playing Frenchie um, has had some shenanigans over the years happen on stage and just learn to, to go, roll with the punches. I think it's, uh, and honestly, Things like that happening in live theater is one of the gifts of live theater. Like, it, it, nothing bonds cast to audience more than a mistake that they're all working through together uh, like that. Mm -hmm. Like a door not opening or yeah. a piece of the set falling over. I, I mean, it's happened. And it's but happened I want to, to say me. these, if you're seeing a professional show, I've guaranteed that you've witnessed a mistake like that, but just didn't know it because the actors covered it so quickly. Absolutely. And uh, the issue in this one with the door not opening and in Sister Sister, um, in this case, the ASM got pulled. So the guy was struggling with the door. Roger was running around backstage to help. Oh, is that who's going I had no idea why Roger was, but I guess you're he right. Was he was trying to help as the ASM. And he got, yeah, and the poor, the poor guy, like, so he was in the fly rail. He's running all of backstage by himself. And then this happens. He gets dragged through the door. I've definitely seen um, another beautiful gift of the theater is sometimes the unintentional um, scenic background, like scenic person in the background who all of a sudden ends up on stage. I, I love that too. Yeah, that happens. Um, <laughs> then we get backstage, and Lisa gives a very nice pep talk to Tamara. All right. You know, Tia's happy that she got the part, honey, but she's not happy about the way it happened. I mean, I guess we all got a little carried away. I just want this night to be over. Yeah, I know how you feel. But you know what? You're very talented, and you will get another chance. Don't you feel anything at all? really think so? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, when I was 19, that was the year I thought I was going to win Miss Motown. <laughs> they judge you on the three Bs, you know, beauty, brains, and booty. <laughs> well, maybe it didn't happen that year, but, you know, I got to realize that life, it gives you lots of other chances. So you finally became Miss Motown? Mm-mm. No. But I did win a wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> Again, so our 17th horny reference. Yeah. Where Lisa won a wet wet t-shirt conference uh conference oh wet t-shirt <laughs> now that's a conference i want to attend okay wet i guess i don't know then we get to the next bit uh ray is on a motorcycle i guess the trucker hooked him up 
Because her last line was, my cousin can hook you up with a set of wheels. I can't cross state lines. Because she's got warrants. I got warrants yeah. <laughs> Sure. So, Ray on the Harley, all the yes. I, I, I love that. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing more to be said, really. Just um, I Because I wonder to myself, is Ray licensed uh, to drive a Harley? I don't know. And maybe Just, he is, you know. He, he runs a limo company, so he I have to assume that he can drive all types, all of, types vehicles, of vehicles. And that's a big reach around. <laughs> In such a 2021 lens, it's like, why don't they just call an Uber? And Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, thank you, technology. <laughs> uh, then we get back to the play. It's the last scene. The lead actor, he bites into a wax apple for some reason. Uh, Ray comes in. Um, Tamara apologizes on stage, which I we've seen this in our other episodes where the characters are having a conflict and then they just decide to go out of character on stage. Saved by and, the bell. Yeah, I'm saved yeah. by the bell, which is so unprofessional and just yeah. kind of drives me. It's no bueno. Up the wall. Let's take let's take the entire audience that paid to be there out of the story so that we can resolve a personal issue. Yeah, yeah. but I do like the lead actor. He actually covered very well. Oh yeah, because he's like and yeah. Tia had a good cover earlier too. I can't remember what it was. I just wrote here, great cover, Tia. Um, so somebody made a mistake and she danced around it. Uh, well, I think the lead actor here was just was just said something to the effect of. Yes, we, we're all sorry. We're all happy. Now let's all go. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of treated like the maid was apologizing. We're all proud of you. We're all of proud everyone. of you. Yeah, yeah, we're all proud of everyone. Uh, and then Tia holds up her tray, says the word applause. They all applaud. Um, and that's it. That's basically the episode. We have one little stinger at the end where they're taking <laughs> their current call. And Roger comes out naked for some reason. Uh, holding the tray over himself because... For the play. He wanted to be naked again, and he got to do it. You really felt that the show needed some nudity, and I... Which would have been funny, but also Roger's supposed to be, like, 13 when this episode airs, so that's that's a little weird. It's the only time I've seen Roger not in oversized 90s clothes. That's right. And that's pretty much guy's fashion in a nutshell uh, throughout the whole series, is you really... Like, looking back, you're like, did I wear pants like that? Yes. And the answer is unequivocally yeah. yes. <laughs> everything was very baggy. and <laughs> Dawson's Creek, when I look back on it, yeah. like, everything was enormous. Everything, everything was... Do you remember, like, it was the Jinko pants? Oh, gosh. Like, they're basically bell-bottoms, but what used to crack me up, I didn't wear those. It, that is, uh, like, the goth, like, deadhead kids. Or yeah, you'd get Garland. them from Hot Topic. Yeah, but... It, it was rainy outside. Those stupid dumbasses would have to walk through a puddle. So they come in, you know, with water basically up to their calves. Oh, gosh. Because yeah, and the they thing are is, not weather compliant. And if anything goes wrong with your belt, you're done for. You know, it's just like they're just enormous. Um, and they, they weren't bell bottoms. For, for those of you who haven't, uh, we're aging ourselves here a bit. But for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it's imagine a bell bottom that all the way up. Just, just Google Jenko. Isn't it J-N-C-O? Like Jenkos or something like that? It's something that. weird where there's not enough just, vowels. Just like, and... look, just like look at people who are um, insane clown posse fans, oh, and you're going to find these uh, these clothing types. Or you cannot do that. Yeah. You cannot waste your time just, just, Googling just ICD take, fans. Take our, take our word for it, okay. actually. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on this episode or Sister, Sister? 
in general. I think anyway, I apologize. It only took us 25 minutes for our dog to take a nap. He got bored uh, of trying to sabotage our podcast after a while. Um, uh, Don't no. worry. We can sabotage ourselves without, <laughs> without his like, help. He's like, Daddy, I wanted to help. Uh, anyway, um, no, I, I would finish with, um, you know, it is a sitcom that really holds up very well. It I, does, it, yeah. This is More one so of the... than other TGIF shows. Like, I'll take this over... Uh, family Matters, or a Step by Step, or or even a Full House, which I don't think are funny. Funny right. in the way they're cute, but I, I never laugh out loud watching those shows. I actually laugh out loud watching Sister Sister. No, because um, the co- the comedic timing of the cast in this was kind of second to none. And the writing, you know, Larry Wilmore went on to a very big career and now has his own, you know, late night, night show, show and yeah. The Daily Show. So it, you know, there's some good talent behind this show yeah you know him and jack harry and tim reed and even the t and tamara maori are they're they're very good so so if you have a netflix account and you want to burn 20 minutes of your evening you know sister sister if you want to remember more innocent times uh (laughs) or or, or, not this episode not this this episode it's not as uh, wholesome as some of the others but i I don't know what was going on this episode (laughs) i think i think mr wilmore was trying to sneak in there's, he got a lot of stuff through the censors. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the ABC censors were too busy making sure that like Roseanne didn't they, like they were burn too busy, down. They were her. too busy laughing at all the amazing jokes in this episode. So. There you go. <laughs> and if you want to laugh at some amazing jokes, you should listen to the other episodes in our podcast, Absolutely. which you can find on Apple, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcast. If you want to get in touch with us directly, feel free to send us an email at spiritsandchatpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us on social media. We have a Facebook and an Instagram account. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That will really help with our visibility on that platform. As always, we want to thank Mickey Hommel for writing and composing our theme song, and for Molly Roth for our cover art and design. Until next time, I am Matt Pullman. And I'm Jonathan Emerson. And remember, break break a leg. leg!